Hey guys, welcome to episode 11 of Next on the Platform. This week, uh, I'm joined by Liam Newell. How are you, man? Uh, pretty good. How about you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. How's training right now? Uh, right now, it's been going, you know, pretty good. Uh, obviously, most people on Instagram who know me saw uh, the 765 fail. Mm. Um, that is that is a lot behind it, actually. Um, it's that- It's been going good other than that. But it's that a was, big volume block. What were you saying? That was at the um the hundred and ten percent event, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. How was, yeah, was that? Uh, it was good. I mean, we had a lot of like big names there, which which ended up being a huge thing for Kevin, the owner of One Ten. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's obviously just a ton of publicity. Um, we got a ton of film crews there, just get a ton of content, which you know, obviously that's going to help with sales. And it's a newer brand. Um, you know, personally, I love it so. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really willing to help get the name out there. I was, um, I was actually interested in getting some too. And I was like, you know, cause support local business, all that sort of thing. I was like, Hey man, uh, can we, can I get some, you know, I'll advertise for free in Australia, etc." And we worked out because of just cause of the shipping, it actually would cost more to ship it to here than it would for the actual pre-worker. So we decided we'll hold off. He's like, if you can get to your mates in on it. So actually, while we're doing it, if anyone in Australia listening wants 110%, uh, DM me. We'll get a package together. We can get it cheaper and we'll get a discount for him. But anyway, I just wanted to quickly say that. How how was the event itself? I saw I saw that you missed, uh, was it 765? I saw the 725 last warm-up. The last mm-hmm. warm-up was insane. Uh, walk me through what happened. So, all right. It, um, a little backstory about the, the whole platform and the bar and, and everything like that. So the platform that we were using may have been the worst platform at, at I've seen at any point in my entire life. So Iron Revolution is, is the, the gym we were at. It's in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of bigger names have actually gone to that gym. You know, Anthony Mantelow was there. Um, that, that, yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking at um, the platform. Yeah. So on the one side, the, the uh, I think it was the left side of it. There's about a three inch crater. Yeah. But it's only towards the front and it makes the bar want to roll away. Mm. And it, it and you, your feet just sink into it. So, you know, it, it was completely terrible for that in that aspect. Um, and then the bar I was pulling on, it was a Texas deadlift bar. When I first started pulling on it, I actually did not realize it was a deadlift bar. I thought it was a Texas power bar because I didn't even know they had a deadlift bar there. And I was, I'm looking at it, I got the 225 and I'm just like, there's no center knurling on this. This can't be a power bar. And mm. and I was like, all right, you know what? We're just going to go with it. So we start loading all the pound plates on. Obviously, we had those thick black plates instead of the calibrated kilogram plates, which they did have. But Sean Mills was squatting 600 pounds for reps that day. So, you know, I didn't exactly get to use those. And um, warm-ups are going good. I mean, I, I got up to 405, started to notice, all right, the, the bar is bending a lot compared to, to what I'm used to, a stiff bar. And, um, I got up to, I believe 675 moved super easy, went to 725. It felt like complete butter, but you know, once I got to the top, I started to wobble a little bit. I I don't know if you can see it in the video. I noticed when I like look at the video, I don't look as unstable as I thought I did, but, um, I'll watch it back again. Um, continue, but I, I, cause I saw the, the King of the list repost in the 725. That was ridiculous. Talk about that after. So you're getting slapped on the back here. Um, quick setup. Yeah. So the 765, I'm just watching you back. So you only barely miss it. Like, was that, 
a positioning thing or is it just because the bar whip threw, threw you off? Because obviously pound so, plates and kilo plates are quite a lot different. Yeah. So the, the, obviously the plates had a big effect on it because the bar was bending significantly more than what I'm used to. And I really think it was a mixture of me not pulling over 600 since my meet, uh, using a different bar, using pound plates and a terrible platform. I think all of that kind of, uh, you know, added up to screw me over. And I'm not going to blame it on anything really besides myself. Cause you know, I, I can't expect to pull 765 after, you know, all those factors included. So basically it felt super easy off the ground and I get to a certain point right as I'm about to lock out and I start to notice all the weights on my toes. I started to feel like, like my heels, I didn't feel as much weight on my heels as I usually do. So, I mean, I really felt like I was about to fall over and I kind of just said, you know what, um, we're going to have to bail on it. And I just put it down. Didn't want to risk getting hurt. Um, and, and I actually did go back about six seconds later and try it again out of being so mad. And I just, I started lifting it and I was like, no. And I just yeah. dropped it again. I mean, yeah. Like obviously lifting under new conditions and stuff. And even like, I would imagine as a sumo puller, uh, because it's more technical than that, is the hype, like, because as a conventional puller, I can get slapped up, hype, you know, it works in my favor. I don't tend to take much time setting up. But as a sumo puller, does that, like, work against you because it's quite technical and that sort of thing? Um, I would say, yeah. And and I've found a way to almost control it, I guess you could say, compared to a lot of people. Um, but there's been multiple times where I've gone up to the bar after getting way too hype and just completely screwed up a lift because my technique was off because I wasn't thinking as clearly as I should have been. Mm. For example, um, on meat prep, I had a 705 pause single. Um, the first time I did it, I got very hype, went up to the bar. Normally, I'll yank the bar with my hook grip to set my grip in. Yep. I didn't do that. Uh, started pulling it right, right as I pause it. My thumb just slips off the bar. Went back six seconds later and got it. But, um, yeah. you know, it, that's just one of those things, you know, you really got to be careful with it um, or it, it can bite you in the ass. I feel like a lot of people, um, I like I've, because I'm in prep too. So I've had more singles than usually lately. And I tend to like notice my better singles have been no hype. So like when I did my deadlift, I was there with a mate and, you know, there's hype. And it's sort of like, I almost forget to, it's hard to concentrate on being hyped and trying to remember your cues as well, especially if you're still learning a new technique or trying to reinforce a current technique, the hype sort of throws me off. But like, for example, I had a bench single. Um, so first time with three reds and nobody was watching. The guy handing off didn't even speak to me, like, you know, and it went perfectly, way better than the deadlift. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm just one of those people that's like, doesn't respond well to hype. You know, I train alone at my house. So it's me by myself usually. So when I get into a gym situation, I'm quite anxious and like, the, the hype can throw me yeah. off. So I know what you mean, yeah. Um, I actually can can kind of test that because the 725, I literally, I, I wanted to save my hook grip, which is why I use straps for that. Um, but I walked up to the bar, not an ounce of hype, didn't use salts, didn't do anything like that. I literally just walked up, strapped in, just pulled it, went smoothly, you know, get slaps and and fall over on the 765. So, I mean, yeah. yeah it's, um. One thing I was wondering, I went to an IPF comp in Australia recently. Are you guys allowed to, because you're in the IPF Federation, are you guys allowed to like show yourself with salts and stuff and at competitions as well? Um, so I actually don't know what the rules are for this, but 
you're allowed to to take them, but I think you have to do it behind a like where the crowd can't see a it. Banner, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. At, the, at the meet, I was like, they were all huddling in behind this banner, and I was like, oh, maybe he's like saving face for his gym or something. But then mm -hmm. I thought maybe it's the federation rules. Yeah. Mm. Um. So a lot of people will go, like go behind a banner, do the salts, and then run out like as fast as they can. But I've I've heard that the reason for it is because they think like the people in the crowd will think you're like doing cocaine or, or snorting yeah. some sort of drug and it my, looks bad, my, but to my mom, it's, I have it. And mom's like, you should stop doing that. It's like, you shouldn't show people that you're doing that. Anything to anyone's yeah. mom is a drug, anything to do with lifting and shit. They always say, creatine, that. Creatine yeah, exactly. The creatine, you should just do it naturally. I, like that's a legitimate quote. I was like scooping my creatine. Mom's like, you should just do it naturally. I was like, mom natural <laughs> um yeah. so other than other than your deadlift which unfortunately you missed at the at the event what else was going on there because i actually had i've spoken to kevin before um when you know we're talking about the product and i was saying like him and i should do an episode together and he should tell me about uh you know how it all started and sort of like advertise for him as well um what else was going on at the at the event um, so obviously, like I said, there, there was, um, some bigger names there. So Alex Sidor was there. Um, Sean Mills was there. Weeze is his Instagram. Yeah. Um, Cameron Brown, uh, her Instagram is the powerful peach, I believe. Yeah. Um, so they were all there. Um, uh, pretty much everyone was hitting singles. Oh, also Tim Thibodeau. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's nice. He seems like, yeah. Um, so he actually repped, I think it was, I think it was 675 for three pretty easy. So, um, he was, he was smoking some big weight there uh sean mills did i think it was 617 for like a five by three on squad or something like that he was going off i mean yeah i saw i saw uh, that's like five red plates isn't it because we do i'm just thinking yeah. about kilos um i saw his because he seems to just smoke that shit like it's nothing like i mean i don't know i know grant is strong too and like potentially because i'm i'm in my head i'm trying to think like compare their numbers but i mean who else is doing that like who else is taking five by three at like 270, 280? That's huge. I, I honestly, I really cannot tell you. I mean, I mean, right now, I think the top of the 105 kg class, granted, in the teens, um, mm. it's it's got to be Grant and and Sean. I, I mean, you know, obviously if Sawyer Clatt uh, hops on the platform again, he'll he'll be a a bigger name there. Um, but you know, even him, like, mm. he's got a huge deadlift. But, but he doesn't squat or bench that much. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, his squat has been been going up. I can't, I can't say it hasn't. Um, same, so same with his bench. But I mean, those guys like Ar, uh, Arthur even who just just got out of it. He was one of the bigger competitions too. But they're still just it's it's insane how uh, much weight they're able to move. Because when I spoke to Arthur, well, because when I had him on here, whatever episode it was, we were talking about uh, obviously the one hundred five class, and I've had Alan on too. Uh, Alan Shoy. Uh, I think I think he's gonna make some waves in the 105s this year, hopefully, because uh, he hasn't competed, and we'd like to see him compete. Um, but the thing with Sawyer was, although he might deadlift more than those boys, the bench is gonna be a huge thing because, like, uh, I know I think it was Grant that took 200 for a single on bench, which is like what 440, whatever 450. Yeah, um, yeah I think it's and, and, I think and, he benched 450. And you know, like, and Sawyer will take um, three fifteen for a single. So it's like, obviously, I'd love to see Sawyer compete. I'd love to talk to him on here, but um, at the moment, it just looks like it would be uh, Sean and Grant. 
Mm-hmm. I, I agree 100%. I mean, Arthur was obviously up there in the mix, but, you know, since he's turned 20, out of their out of their group now, um, yep. I think it's, it, it's going to be super interesting to see what happens with it. And I'm excited to see uh, Grant and Sean go head-to-head. I, I don't know if they're both – I know Sean's doing collegiate nats um, in Louisiana, which I'll be there for it. Um, Alex is doing it. My brother's doing it. Um, so we're going to see there, but I don't know if Grant's doing that, but, um, that'll be super interesting. And I, I think Grant's 18. If, uh, if so slightly younger than Sean is Sean 19 now. Yeah. Sean's 19 right now. So he, I mean, once, once Sean turns 20, I, I don't know who is going to even be able to come close to Grant in that class. Well, well, even as, as it stands, it looks like Grant would maybe take it the number one spot now anyway, because he, from memory, they both squat seven hundred. Is that right? Uh, no. So I think Sean squatted sixty two, and I think Grant squatted six sixty one. Okay. Oh, so, so like about three hundred kilos, like three hundred five, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. They they both deadlift seven hundred. Is that right? That's that's what it would be. Uh, yeah. I think I think Sean may actually have a small edge on yeah, on deadlift. Grant. But then Grant might have that uh, bigger bench. That because you know, like he benched two hundred with those long arms, like minimal range of motion. I was so impressed by like that. That because that yeah. like at the time I was eighteen when he did it too. He's eighteen as well. I was like, holy shit! Like that's long arms, and obviously you know that helps in the deadlift. But then you go around and bench, yeah. and usually like Sawyer, for example, with those long deadlift arms, you can see how it affects his bench press. Yeah. But with Grant, it just turns around, and he's got an it potentially an even more impressive bench than his deadlift yeah and in, in my opinion he's kind of like one of those people uh like you know ashton rosca rondo hunt obviously my coach mm-hmm. rondo hunt um you know like like they're built to just be you know like they look like they'd be deadlift specialists and, and they're just completely arms are like mm. like rust yeah like like you just look at them and it's like wow you don't think they'd be able to bench a lot and then you know ashton's benching fours easy rondell benched 555 like just as a casual training single it's just it's like well pick one are you gonna deadlift 900 or, or yeah. bench 600 <laughs> oh i mean absolutely like that you never see like um typically like well personally i'm a better bencher than i am a deadlifter uh and usually people have that strong suit but i mean a 700 pound stiff bar deadlift at 18 and and a 200 kilo bench like in my opinion the 200 kilo bench is much more impressive because you know uh, like say an 83 like Aiden might pull 700 as well but yeah, there's yeah. no one else doing that there's like how many teens are benching 200 kilos it's it's absurd I mean Grant's bench I think that's what right now is going to give him the edge just about against everyone in that class um, because I I don't I don't understand it I mean how are you going to have a, a 700 deadlift and then just go bench 450 mm. it's like it's just unfair absurd. I'm offended yeah, that and, and that other people are, are, are uh, best of both worlds. Um, we don't want to go off too much off track. We can, uh, I'll hopefully do an episode with those guys. Um, so you're training right now. Uh, you said in the caption that you kind of went off. You're like, oh, we just sent it tonight. So obviously that wasn't on the program. Um, did you just like talk to you? Because you're coached by, is it Deadlift Lord? Yeah, Rondell Hunt. Yeah, okay. Um, so, was th- what was the plan? What's the plan right now? Uh, and was your cool? Was your coach cool with what you did at the event? Uh, so right now, actually, since my meet, um, we've been doing pretty much just a volume block. I mean, if you guys, a lot of the people viewing, uh, may have seen my Instagram. Uh, 
it's been a lot of of rep work i haven't really done singles i haven't i've had a bench single and i have a top triple and squat that's the closest thing i have to really um a replication of competition um my my biggest deadlift set is a amrap on deadlift so it's just it's all volume right now um but a few i think I think a few days before the event, I was, I said, I talked to him and I was like, you know, uh, would I be able to hit a deadlift single? Um, you know, like, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I could completely screw up and barely be able to pull 675. Um, or I could surprise myself and pull 800. Um, you know, there was a lot of things up in the air and he's like, yeah, I mean, I'm cool with it. As long as you don't get hurt, we're not going to send it too far. Like you're not going to grind anything out. Um, you know, just, just do a normal single that feels good and, and that'll be it. So, um, I feel like, no um, more. I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt you, but I feel like that, that sort of thing, like if you're going to take a heavy deadlift single, like absolutely check with your coach first, obviously you did. Um, people will seem to underestimate the, like, oh, it's just a single. Yeah. But you know, that's why people do their last heavy deadlift three weeks out from comp or two weeks out from comp, yeah. because that is, a, and if you're going to go straight back in. Like if you go off program for a single and you go straight back into a volume block, that's where you're going to get injured. You know, that's where you've had a single, you don't realize how fatigued you are. And then you go for some huge set of five and boom, injury. So um, I think, and like, obviously you've been clever about it. You asked your coach, but I feel like some people, and I don't like, not specifically, but I feel like I see people go off program, hit a huge deadlift, like it's nothing. Like it's not going to affect the next cut, like four weeks even because you know straight back into volume it's going to take you a lot longer than just you know deloading or whatever um i don't know that's just something that i see yeah uh, i completely agree um so after actually after i did that single um yesterday i had squats uh my back was mm. it, it wasn't injured but you know i could definitely feel it it was sore and i was having some form breakdowns because of it so um i definitely noticed how how it had an impact on my training Mm. Um, and you know, that's part of it. That's something, you know, if you're, if you're going to do it, you have to kind of accept like, all right, I'm the chances are, if you hit this single, you're not going to be able to go back into training 100%. Like it's going to change your block a little bit. Mm. And, you know, you may have to alter your block coming up to, to, if you want to do that, or if you do that against what your coach is saying, you know, just go hit a single cause you're bored. Um, you know, that's, that's when it becomes a problem and, and you may have to alter your training and it could affect you in the future. I mean, and the thing with like going off program, uh, as as like I'm not tempted by it. I really enjoy the way that my coach programs me. So I I don't really, I mean, maybe I do an extra set of fucking lap pull downs or something. So you know, it's not like a big deal. Um, but it's like it's almost like a, a disservice to them when uh you like if you're not asking them. And obviously this event, like I'm not speaking about you because this was a special thing and for Kevin whatever. Um. But like, if you're, if you're just going to go randomly off program, not even tell your coach or just only tell them when you post it on Instagram, it's like, you, you know, they're giving you their time. They're putting their effort into your program. You go and just, and it's almost just like, yeah, I don't care about what you're doing. Like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't value it too high. It's like, you know, you're not just affecting you. It's, it's their job. It's their, you know, they've put that effort into it. Um, and out of like, just out of respect for my coach, I don't go off program. I don't want to do it. But even if I did, I, I don't think I would. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree. Uh, like, I mean, you're paying your coach. So, I mean, that should be one incentive to not screw it up because, mm. you know, it's, it's your money. Um, but also, it's just like, you got to look at it like, you know, they've built this entire thing. They've put all their time into it. And you're just going to screw it all up because 
and you're giving them more work essentially because they're probably going to have to alter your training because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I coach very few people. Um, I only coach like five or six right now, but um, it's, I mean, I've had one kid go off and it's just like, all right, like that's just, it's not cool. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. you're going to mess everything up. You know, you kind of got to alter everything you want to do for them. And yeah, I mean, well, I, I can tell you as co- some, as someone who's coached people, it's, it's, it's annoying. I, I had a, I have an athlete who, um, got some new home gym stuff and he like did a nice single. Um, and, and, you know, it's fine. Cause it just happened to be the, the, the week before a deload. So I didn't mind at all. He hit a, he hit like a ridiculous PR at a super low RP. So I was completely happy for him. Like, um, but yeah, if it had been a worse time, you know, if we were, uh, you know, cause he went into lockdown, so it was, he had to train from home, but it, you know, if we were, um, two weeks from the end of a volume block, and he's taking a heavy single. That's where we would, you know, it would be a problem. Luckily, it wasn't. But I, I understand what you mean. Like, um, and people don't understand. Like I was saying before, it's such a huge thing. Like, if you, uh, let's say you grind a deadlift, you say you make it, right? So, because failing a deadlift, that it's not that taxing if you fail right at the bottom. Let's say you grind out this RP eleven deadlift, right? That's like four weeks, like three, four weeks to get back to tip top shape. Unless you're obviously in a like you're peaking. Um, yeah. you go off program, you know, and the, the risk of injury, like people, people were like, Oh, I've made some gains. Let's go off program. Let's do a heavy single. It's like, wouldn't you rather hold it for a bit longer, taper a little bit better and then hit it at a lower RP? Like even if it's three, four, <laughs> six weeks later, you know, I, I, um, in the last six months I've hit two deadlifts over RP eight and I save it and I hit huge, like huge PRs. But like, that's just the patience. That's the way that I train. Uh, and I emphasize it all the time. That's how it works for me. You know, six, you, that's unheard of. Six months, two heavy singles over RPEA. I don't know anyone doing that. That's just what works for me. Um, and I mean, I, I, I'm biased in the way that I think other people should try to train a little bit more conservative. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the most useful thing my coach told me is uh your singles are not performance, they're practice. So, you know, don't be looking to hit a PR every time you're hitting a single. Look to be making sure your form is in tip-top shape, everything looks good, and and lastly, you're moving a lot of weight. I mean, obviously, every, every powerlifter is like, I want to hit a PR. I want to prove to myself that I'm advancing and I'm getting stronger. But you also need to practice the single. If you're overshooting on every single you're probably having form breakdowns. You're probably not doing what you're supposed to be doing. If you're practicing with those singles, then when you do go to hit a really heavy single, you're going to be conditioned to doing each one the way it's supposed to be done. And it's going to be so much easier. And I feel like people, um, they either don't understand or just neglect how momentum works. That's the whole point of a block momentum. That's why the first four weeks might be shit the fifth one is okay and the sixth one is amazing because that's just how momentum works however you're progressing when you go off program and you hit that single you progress you're going like this so you're in the block deadlift single and then you're like that and it's like that people think they're just going to come back up again but unless you're in like a unless you're peaking and it's like a pro like your block is peaked it's not going to happen like that you're most likely going to go like this for a while and it's going to take a while to come back up and it's like, you know, is it worth, is it really, when you look back, was it really worth it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of people that be like, yeah, I want to hit like, I'm going to hit a single and they'll end up hitting like a five pound PR. It's like, mm. 
was a five pound PR worth it? Because you would have hit a fifteen pound PR if you would have just waited two weeks. I'm biased on deadlifts. I'm not loading less than ten kilo PR. Like I'm, yeah, you know, I'm like mid two fit, like two fifty. I don't know what is that pounds, like five fifty. Getting like I'm relatively yeah. close to six hundred. I'm not loading less than ten kilos on. Like I just, and it's probably silly, but I just if if it's not there, I'll wait. I'll go mm-hmm. next block. I'll do a next block. Um, it's I just I don't know the 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 cost to you know the benefit ratio is just like just wait i mean that's that's how we like to do it i've been i've been taught everything by my coach and he's very he's a physio so he's very uh in the back of his head it's always about injury and all that sort of thing as someone who understands the body so it's like we take that very conservative approach uh but obviously there's other ways it works and you know like uh the flex boys they always get singles and that sort of thing and it's like a whole different approach so yeah they might um the thing with me is i'm if anything a little bit less proficient at hitting singles because i don't take them as often yeah and i I mean that's totally fine um i i've talked to a lot of people who you know won't hit a single for you know six weeks and then then they'll be on a block they'll hit two singles the third week, then they'll just explode and hit like a bunch of PRs and stuff. I mean, that's honestly what I'm doing right now. Um, except for on bench, um, you know, it, it would, it was an eight week total. Blo- well, it was a four week block. And then, then after four weeks, we, we changed it a little bit. It was a little altered, but um, for pretty much eight weeks, I wasn't supposed to hit any singles on squat or deadlift. Um, and then after that eight weeks, we we're going to get singles back and we we're going to start at about RP like six and a half and, and work our way up and i would imagine with bench the whole idea would be uh for me it's my most technical lift so i would imagine the keeping the singles in for technique uh and then i would also imagine i'm just guessing that your coach would sell you bench is the least fatiguing thing we can take singles it's not going to be too big of a deal yeah so so obviously bench is going to put you know a ton of stress on your body um but yeah it, it had a lot to do with the technique um Obviously, my bench was was down for a while. Um, I had some shoulder problems that lasted about six months. Um, wow! At the beginning wow. of the, at, I think around like August and September, I actually like took like a six week break from benching. Um, didn't bench at all. I feel like and, I remember that. Yeah, and and it was just it, it was everything was all messed up. Um, I finally started getting back into it. I went to a deep tissue specialist, PJ Newcomb, uh, absolute best deep tissue tissue specialist ever. Um, Went to him a week later, bench 315, um, which was actually a PR. Um, and then ever since then, we've just kind of been trying to avoid, you know, putting a ton of stress on my shoulder because uh, it will flare up every once in a while. Um, so we've just been working on a lot of form, trying to make sure it's it's the absolute best. Um, I mean, if you looked at my Instagram, you'd see literally every post I'm talking about how I'm, I'm playing with my form. Each one's looking a little bit different. I'm just trying to find something that I feel really comfortable with and I'm also really strong with all oh, while well, not you know, destroying my shoulder in the process. I feel like bench is one of those things like, um, you just got to adjust it, you know, every session or every week, I, I tend to find myself or oh, I'll put my feet in this an inch to this way, or I'll angle mm-hmm. my knees a little bit more this way. And it's like, um, it needs that, you know, constant attention also probably cause, um, people's upper body probably tends to grow more than their lower body and that, you know, muscle mass will change technique and that sort of thing. People like, um, stick with the same form for ages it's like you know every once in a while try this or uh, on your third bench day just try this other technique it might help you you know play around with it yeah i mean that's that's a huge thing like my brother he did i think it was he benched like 340 
And then he, he was playing around with his form and, and changed his form literally like a month later, hit 375, just mm-hmm. completely blew it up. Like, yeah, changing your form has a, has a huge effect on everything. Is that 160 kilos? 375? Two uh, reds and a, two reds and a blue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I just try to do it in my head. It's easier if we just go on colors. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, is do you, I'm just trying to think, I always see you and your brother deadlifts, so you always deadlift in the same spot. You're like relatively similar. I always get so confused who is who. Um, <laughs> you guys, do you guys bench like Alex Sador with the feet cl- nice and close, big arch? I'm just trying to remember. So my brother, yeah, my brother has a has a huge arch. Um, his feet are super close. Um, I'm trying to kind of emulate that form. I'm trying to, you know, look like that more. Obviously, if I can get a bigger arch short in my range of motion, it may help my bench a lot. Um, so I'm trying to do that. My arch is not that big. I also have super long arms, which um you know is obviously a factor in it but uh yeah he does i i don't have a huge arch i'm looking at you right now you do have long arms i'm looking at your 292 single from uh january that's uh feb sorry that's um yeah you've got some long arms and um you like i'm looking right now you tend to is it are you intentionally internally rotating um your shoulders um because you, i see you do this when you grab the bar and you bring your elbows down for that internal rotation is that something that yeah helped with your injury so i actually we me and my coach discussed this uh earlier uh that may actually be causing part of my injury so originally what what the thought behind that was is it helps me almost you know tuck my shoulder blades in yeah. and get them tight and then bring them back but now that I'm thinking about like like we were talking about it and it's almost like my elbows kind of stay my wrists don't stay aligned with my elbows mm. so I'll be coming down and it'll almost be stressing the hell out of my rotator cuff and stuff like that Absolutely. which could be causing the injury um so you know we're we're just trying to sort it out right now and and find what hurt, what hurts and which doesn't so I um I literally it's funny that that's exactly the thing that happened to me so I failed three reds uh maybe December and I was very, and at the time I was, you know, it, I shouldn't have gone for it, but that's a different story. Um, at the time I was, you know, trying to replicate Sean's arch and obviously different bodies, but I thought, you know, it was working for me at the time. Bench was blowing up. So, uh, you know, feeding close, big arch. Um, I'd unrack the bar, uh, unrack the bar, internally rotate my shoulders. So elbows come down and I was bringing it, uh, my elbows were like on a, on an angle more than they should have been. Uh, and since I changed, I've, you know, I had some stress. I would get stress across the clavicle here, the shoulder, uh, the collarbone, uh, every after every rep or at the end of a set, and I'd unrack it, and it's like, oh, you know, like so. I started uh, just setting up the same, except when I unrack, no internal rotation. Now I actually have to actively flare now. I flare out mm-hmm. to get to that better angle, um, and that that sort of tension and pain is gone. So. You know, it might be that it might work the same for you. And when I did that, changed my form, I hit a smoke 170 last week. So, yeah, I think that literally, obviously, like your coach is saying to try it, but I I think that might actually work for you. It worked for me. Um, yeah, I, I was having trouble like stacking vertically. And so the wrists, like you said, the wrists weren't over the, the elbow and and the joints were taking more pressure than they should have. And it's, it's actually been really good since swapping back. Yeah. I mean, that, that's something that, um, I've been trying to work on a, a lot. Um, 
in, in more of my recent benches, I've been almost just starting like this and actually keeping my elbows like super far out, yep. then tucking in as I go. Um, and, and like, like you said, you have to actively think about it or I, I don't do it when I like, um, sometimes when I was, I was going for heavier benches, I, I would just start tucking them in and, and rotating them again. And it would just screw everything up. So that, the, that's it, it feels thing. better in the setup. Like, if yeah, you, it, it feels nice and, and you can see, oh yeah, my chest is a little bit closer to the bar now, or at least for me, uh, cause of the arch, um, yeah. with the internal rotation, you know, shoulders and you know, shoulders back and down and it brings the bar closer. Um, yeah. and it was nicer to do. It felt better on the unrack, but then in the press and I was losing, um, speed off the chest and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Since I swapped the touches better, uh, less pressure on my wrists. My wrists don't like bench pressing. Um, maybe it's tight forearms. I'm not too sure, but um, it's yeah, less pressure on the shoulder, less pressure on the wrist, and the bench has blown up. So it's been it's been really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, no, you go. Ahead. You go. You're good. Go ahead. <laughs> um, well, I was just gonna say, uh, I see like the uh, the Sean Riega that style bench. They they like to emphasize the internal rotation. Um, and I made a post on the, and it, people listening would have seen the post about uh, neglecting muscle mass for the bench press because uh, like light lifters will, you know, those really light lifters like 66, whatever, they will just be like, just sort of neglect the hypertrophy aspect of a bench press and try to replicate that huge arch. And it's like, um, you're reducing your muscle mass even in the bench press, you know, bigger arch, less range of motion, yeah. less, less stimulus, you know, that's how it works. Um, you know, in the off season, bench with a big arch, you'll get more muscle mass from the direct pattern, that sort of thing. And when you swap back to a big arch, you'll have more muscle mass there. It's pretty, it's a pretty simple concept that I feel like there's some people are neglecting and like that post got like shares from coaches and shit. And so obviously other people were seeing it and I don't know. Uh, and I was just, you know, I just said it like, I feel like people, it should be spoken about more and people seem to agree. So I was, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I 100% agree. I mean, uh, if you want to have a big bench, you've got to be doing your hypertrophy. I mean, it has a huge effect. As, as I mean, as well as getting like a huge chest and stuff like that, which will obviously shorten your range of motion to a degree. Mm. But, um, you know, adding all that muscle there, it, it helps a ton, especially on your triceps and stuff like that and shoulders. It's huge. Mm. I was going to make a point. It was funny the other day I was talking to someone about it and I was like, you know, and more muscle mass prevents injury and that sort of thing. And then Isaac Whistler goes and tears his pec and I was like, oh, all that muscle mass that yeah, he's a big boy and he went and tore his pec. That's something that turns me off the sinking the bar on the bench because I feel yeah. like, you know, that's maybe why he did it because you know, he does the, the hard touch and that sort of thing. But yeah, I, I've never really trained with that, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, I actually do sink it a little bit. I'm trying to get away from it. That's another thing I'm trying to incorporate into my bench is a soft touch. But um, I sink it a little bit, and and I do think it stresses your pack a little bit more. Obviously, you're starting at a lower position if you're sinking in, and uh, it puts a ton of stress on your packs. I mean, I feel it a lot. So. Well, if you're yeah, well, just like anatomically, if your elbow is going deeper, uh, beside yeah. past your body, that's just more stress up here. And- and then mm-hmm. I, I would have guessed that's how Isaac did it, but that can ju- it can just be like a freak thing, you know, it happened to anyone. Yeah. Um. He he sort of had a bad run lately with the he's you know his squats were down really low in the last few weeks, and then the pec tear as well. Yeah, I mean that's 
There's some some uh, blocks you'll go through that are just completely rough. I guess he had the the worst of the worst. Uh, obviously, yeah. tearing muscle. I don't know. I don't know how uh, easy it is to come back from that. Um, bench wise, I I really don't know. But um, you know, obviously, I wish him the best. Yeah, because I know his squat. Because there was something he did to his knee or quad or something, and he was squatting, you know, like low two hundreds, and now he's back up to three hundred. So that's nice to see. Um, one thing I noticed, like even like Isaac, he's his numbers are similar to Sean and Grant, and he's a whole he's a one twenty, isn't he? So he's a whole weight class up. Yeah, I think he is a one twenty. Yeah, yeah. It's just it, it just proves how crazy those guys like those guys are. You know, like if they're a whole. And Isaac's older than them too. Yeah, yeah. But um, you're so you're an eighty three. Uh, obviously, the eighty three is stacked. Like I love the eighty three class. It's the uh, in yeah. my opinion, it's the best to watch. Um, how did you like? How did you decide you're gonna stay there? Is that just like where your body weight got to, and you're like, oh, I'm happy with where I am now? Uh, so this is actually kind of interesting. But um, at the beginning, actually in the summer, uh, I planned on competing at seventy four um kg so my body weight in in pounds is was around 172 at the time um i pulled 725 at that weight um and and it was going good i mean like i i felt great and then i was like you know what it i'm not gonna drop down to 74 uh i'm just gonna book it up to the 180s and uh add, add as much weight as i can it's gonna help my bench help my squat um so that's what i did and uh Got up to, I think, 179 was where I was at for my meet. Um, felt pretty good there. And actually, after my meet, I'm still going up. I'm around 184 right now. And um, I don't I don't really know when the next time I plan on competing is, but it, um, it may be at 93 kg, actually. I was just doing the math. That's like um, 184 is like, like almost spot on 83, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a pound above. Um, so you like... Because I always emphasize, I've spoken to it, like, uh, particularly Alan, um, like filling out your frame before you do a cut for a meet. Uh, are you yeah. like, are you slightly too tall to be like a full 83? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm like 5'10". Um, um, yeah, so too, of, yeah. Yeah. If you look at a lot of the 83 kgs, you know, 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, mm-hmm. So um, my brother and I are actually thinking, you know, it may be the best to go up to the 93 kg class. Um do a slow, slow, uh, slower bulk up to it. And I mean, Hey, it's I mean, going to help the numbers. So. Oh, absolutely. That'll just, and you know, um, having that, I was going to ask you having that rival with your brother, like, uh, I don't know the exact numbers between you guys, but like, how did you, cause obviously you both got into powerlifting and that's kind of rare to see like two siblings. You yeah. know, how did you guys get into it? And, and then after I want to know like what that's like, um, so both of us kind of got into it at, at different times almost and and we we're at different stages but um so we kind of have a rivalry with everything not just lifting um so pretty much when he was going into high school so ninth grade um my mom was on the beach and and there was another kid that was going to his school and she looked at him and she's like wow that kid's pretty big for his age and my brother was like got kind of salty about it because she said <laughs> he's a lot bigger than him yeah He's like, no, he's not like, he's not strong. He's not bigger than me. He's not stronger than me. Um, so a few weeks later he started, he got a set of dumbbells and started lifting in the basement. And at that point I really had no interest in it. Um, I kind of just let him do it. He didn't really get seriously into it. I mean, he kind of, you know, would lift, but he wouldn't do much. Um, 
And then he started progressing and I started putting on weight. Actually, I started getting kind of fat. Um, I was around 178 pounds. So I almost weighed as much as I did in my meat. Um, and I was, I think 15 years old or 14 years old at the time. So I, I got kind of heavy and, you know, I was looking in the mirror and, and my brother started lifting. Then he, you know, had abs and, and the six pack and had like a better looking chest than I did. And I, I looked at it and I was like, Oh man, like, I don't really want to look like this. Like I was chubby, um, and, and all that. So, um, I started trying to lose weight. So pretty much I lost, I think like 17 pounds. Um, so I just literally, it was just a weight loss journey pretty much for me. You know, I just wanted to to cut down and, and look leaner. So I started getting into bodybuilding and I, you know, I liked it. I was like, it, it hooked me on lifting pretty much. Um, but I found myself like I'd follow a bodybuilding program and there'd be like, it'd be all accessories. And then there'd be like, you'd have power training. And one day it would be like, yeah, I would only squat bench and deadlift uh, one time a week each. So the one day I'm benching and I was like, all right, this is pretty fun. Like I, I like going heavy and it would say go light and do a lot of reps. And I found myself like, you know, cutting those in half and being like, all right, you know, I'm going to do a few less and go a little bit heavier. Um, and then on deadlift, I started really like being like, all right, this is what I want to do. Cause randomly just like really strong at it um and then started to progress into you know more just like all right i'm gonna lift heavy but i didn't really know what powerlifting was at the time i kind of just knew like like i want to get stronger um did did like lighter weight didn't squat didn't really bench that much but only deadlift and i didn't really know how to deadlift properly so i would stand on a two inch deficit pull conventional every single time. So my first deadlifts were all pretty much conventional deficit deadlifts for like the Jesus. first month. Maybe that's the secret. <laughs> yeah. Start, and then, uh, start out with a crazy RDL. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I switched to sumo cause I, I saw my brother do it and I was like, Oh, I kind of like this. And then I pulled like two fifty my first time. And then like a few weeks later, just pulled like, I think like 300 and then and it just kept going up and going up and going up. And then, you know, like a year into train before I turned, I think the day before I turned 16, I pulled 500 and I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe I am good at this. Um, still didn't really squat though. I didn't really bench heavy either. Mm. Um, yeah. Cause I noticed I- in comparison, your deadlift is quite a lot more impressive than your squat. And obviously like you're young and the squat, like your lot, it's still a good squat, but like yeah. your, de- your deadlift would be like almost a hundred kilos more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I started really getting into deadlift, um, 500, which I think is like doing it. Yeah. So kept going up, going up, got to, I think 630 on deadlift at 165 pounds or something like that. And I had, I had no idea that I was like, like, was like, Oh, this may be a record or something like that. Like this, this was, wasn't that hard. And I looked at the record books and it's like, yeah, I just beat a record for kids that are older and heavier than me. And I was like, Oh, well, maybe I should do this. And and like at that time, like I was new to powerlifting, like my brother and I, like he was starting to get into it and I like had heard of it, but like, I didn't really know much about it. And that's when I was like, all right, you know, maybe I should squat here. Like, you know, if I'm going to do this, I can't just do deadlift only. I've got to, I've got to get my squat up. So started doing that. Um, and then I think, Last January, I had a 365 squat single at RP9, which that's got to be, 
That's like what you hit on bench, basically. <laughs> With three, yeah, so three reds, roughly. Yeah, it's just about just under three reds. I hit that at like uh, RP nine like a year ago. So I'm up like over a hundred pounds above that. Well, over a hundred pounds above that now. What do you so, squat now? Uh, I squatted five twenty five in my meet. Okay, yeah. So like two thirty something. Two thirty. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean. That, that that was the biggest thing for me is like once i once i started pring i just got addicted to it and that's like i was like all right i'm gonna gonna focus on powerlifting and then um the day before i turned i think the day before i turned 17 or no, yeah 17 i pulled 675 at 168 pounds that was like the big all right you know yeah. this is I, definitely maybe i'm really good at this yeah so that's like um, funny was like the day before i turned this day before I turn that, is that intentional like i'm gonna pull this before i turn 17 because i did that too yeah so <laughs> realistically like i this is gonna sound bad but when i was doing that like i wasn't on a training program mm -hmm. like this time last year like i was doing what i wanted i didn't have a coach i wasn't doing technically powerlifting. i was kind of doing still doing a power building thing almost so you know it'd be like i would do like an hour and a half, maybe like an hour, 15 minute powerlifting workout. And then I'd go do an hour of accessories just because I wanted to like, that's mm -hmm. literally just what I wanted to do. Um, and then I think August last August, I, I decided, you know what, I'll finally get a coach. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, it, it changed everything too. Cause I never posted any lifts on Instagram. Um, you know, I, I didn't do any of that until, uh, I think I met David Laid and Anthony Mantlo at the gym one day and I looked at like I was like oh these guys post and like I, I met them and stuff like that and I was like oh you know what maybe I should post on Instagram so mm -hmm. I just started posting some of my lighter things um I pulled 725 and I didn't like the way it looked um so I didn't post it for a month and a half until I met Alex Sidor at my gym one day um you know he was there and uh I think I paused 617 the day that he was there and he just like they walked up and, and we just started talking and stuff like that and then he snapchatted me um and then we started training together and, and the one day we're talking he's like yeah you should post that that 725 on instagram like king of the lifts will repost it i'll repost it on my story like lex little um all those guys will all see it and i'm like all right whatever i'll do it and i post it on instagram he reposted on his story and then literally i go to bed that night like already gained like 500 followers in like a, a, an hour i go to bed that night wake up in the morning and i'm up 2000 followers jesus and I'm just like, that's, every, that's every, everyone's dream everyone's like i want to go to bed yeah. and wake up with 2000 followers <laughs> yeah like i just i just woke up and all of a sudden i'm like holy shit what just happened and then like that like motivated me i'm like all right you know we got to keep going so um started posting all my stuff and then literally like every week i was getting posted on king of the lifts and it was just going up and going up and going up mm. um because i was gonna say you know, like, like i feel like i came across your page and your brother like six like six months ago you came out of nowhere so this would yeah. be like august um and i'd never like because it's funny you know you don't really see people pulling over 300 kilos for the first time you, you usually see them before because yeah. those high 200 numbers get reposted that sort of thing you just came out of nowhere just that quickly yeah I, I mean like i was pulling i pulled uh 705 last june and then i pulled 725 like i think a few weeks later or something like that and you know i i didn't post a single thing on instagram i said you know what like i'm not i don't want to post like i don't care about this i, I just want to lift and have fun with it like i don't care about anything 
um, relating to Instagram. And, and then, you know, I, I met a few people and I was like, you know what, maybe I will do this. You know, maybe this is something I want to pursue. And I mean, it turned out pretty good for me. Um, you know, I was able to get some sponsorships for it. And, you know, it just motivates me to keep doing like, I want to lift and it's just giving me incentive to keep on doing it. Mm. It's, it's so. a good thing. Like people tend to look at it like, oh, it's vain or uh, it's like showing off. It's not. It's like for some people, it's a business. For some people who want yeah. to become coaches, like I want to be a coach. I've said it before. Everything I post now, it's not to show, it's not because I want to show everyone that I just benched this. It's like because I want to build yeah. as much as I love interacting with people and showing lifts and talking about it. It's like I want to, I'm building a business. I'm building like a coaching business in the future. And it's like for some people, it is that business aspect. But yeah, some people post for fun. That's completely fine. Like I understand both point of views. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I also post like, I, I want to motivate other people because, you know, like, yeah, like I looked at Anthony and David Lee and I looked at them and I'm like, well, they're posting it and they don't care what people think. You know, they didn't start off with a million followers on Instagram. They didn't start off with, you know, they were, they, it's not like they were at 10K when they started posting. Like they built this following, they did this from nothing. Like, and it kind of made me look at it like, all right, well, you know, if they're willing to do it and, you know, like I obviously got, I got a lot of shit. Like the first time I posted like lifting on my Instagram, like oh, yeah. I lost like, me too. I, yeah, I lost a lot of followers. Like before it was just pictures of me and my friends and stuff. And then, then I started posting lifting and everyone unfollowed me and stuff like that. And people were like, dude, stop posting on Instagram. Like nobody wants to see this. Like nobody cares. Is this people and from that, school? Yeah. And like, like, I'm like, all right, you know, like I don't care. Like I'm just going to do what I want. Like, uh, Instagram is supposed to show your life and lifting is my life. So why wouldn't I post it on there? And, um, pretty yeah, much it's it can, like the, just before you go, just like the inspiration thing. Like, yeah, uh, I had a, a guy who used to go to my school. He moved away. I coach him now. Um, but he said that he, I'm from memory. I'm pretty sure he told me that he pretty much got into lifting. Cause like he was watching me lift. Uh, he thought it would look fun. He's like, yeah, I want to get back into it. And he's like, thank you. You inspire me. It's like, um, I'm like, I'm so glad that you told me that. Cause that, you know, I just think oh, I'm just posting an Instagram video, but there might be someone who's like, Oh, maybe I'll try this or I want to be strong and I want to do that. And it's like, it might motivate them. And that, like, that, like obviously the whole, like David Lade, that's an obvious motivator and those people, yeah. but anyone with like any amount of followers, there might be someone following you who starts going to the gym cause they want to get stronger. It's like, yeah. you know, it's a, it's helping other people out as well. And it's, it's entertaining. It's, I yeah. love watching people lift. So, yeah. And I mean, like, like there, there, I'll get DMs and stuff like that. And there'll be people who are like, you know, like your deadlift's amazing, dude. Like, I, I, I'm 15 now. I'm just getting into lifting and like, I want to be like you. And it's like, it's kind of crazy because like six months ago, like, I never had anyone say, like, I want to be like you mm. or you're inspiring or like you're the future of lifting and stuff. Like, like, I've never heard anything like that. And now it's just like people just say it every day. And like, it's just, it's weird to me. Like, it's completely foreign because I I've never experienced anything like it. But like, if I can inspire one person to get into powerlifting and and enjoy it and do it every day and help grow the sport, that's great. Because in reality, I love powerlifting. I think it's one of the greatest things ever. I think there's so many benefits of it, and not even powerlifting, just getting in the gym in general. I think like it's the best thing you can do. And and if I can inspire people to just do that, like then then I'm successful in what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And one thing of uh, that sort of lifestyle, it's like, you know, those mainstream influences, they don't want to, they don't want to talk about the bad days or like, you know, it's like, um, for example, Isaac posting his injury and the video of his injury and saying like, this sucks and all that sort of thing. I really respect that because a lot of stuff on the internet is all fake and it's just like a front. 
Um, but you know, if people like you post about, I've got a sore shoulder, bench is sort of sucky right mm-hmm. now, all that sort of thing. Um, cause you don't want to give people like there's people looking up to you. And so it's important that you, you show them that, it, you know, it's not all hitting PRs and it's not all this. There can be injuries and low points and plateaus and, and all that sort of thing. And that whenever I do see that, I really, as much as I don't want to read a big long caption, like I really do respect people who are being honest with the people that look up to them and especially with the downside. Like, yeah, there's a relatively high risk of injury compared to other sports, compared to other mm-hmm. single, like obviously not contact sports, but you know. Yeah. It, so there is, there's definitely downsides to it. and But I, I love it too. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm willing to risk it for the injury, but it's not something that should be kept from, you know, we gotta, when people are, if we, like the video with the bench press rules, they're like, we want to grow the sport. Bench press is hurting it. Um, you know, that, whatever, you know, that maybe it is. But uh, I yeah. think being honest with people and being like, hey, yeah, this is a great sport and all this, but, you know, some weeks feel shit. Some sessions are horrible. You can get mm-hmm. injured. I think that's important too. Yeah. And, and I think that has a lot to do with the whole, like, you know, fake natty thing. Like, mm. you know, obviously on my page, everyone's like, like well, not everyone but you know there's a fair amount of you're not natural comments yeah. and it's like it's all that shit and it's just like you know i personally i am natural like that's obviously yeah I, i've you said compete test you compete in the ipf yeah yeah so um it's just like one of those things when someone does lie about that i think it really does hurt everything because it's like i mean don't get me wrong i respect people who are like on gear like jamal browner like all those guys like I'm not taking anything away from them because those guys are obviously great lifters. And even if they were competing tested, they would still be at the top of the line. Yeah. That's one so thing it, people don't understand. The the guys who are on gear at the top of their thing, they would still be the top of the national. Yeah. They would, Jamal Brown would probably still pull three, like probably pull 800. Natty. Yeah. So exactly. So it's like, it's like, I don't want to take anything away from them, but when you lie about it and just tell people, yeah, I'm natural. And then everyone finds out like, oh, this guy's not, it's like, mm-hmm. come on, you're just, you're, you're hurting the sport to the people who aren't really in it and don't know that. Like the people who are just getting into the sport, you know, like, like if, I'll tell you what, if 15 year old me looked at someone who, you know, say, say David Laid, and it came out, you know, he's been on gear this entire time. I probably would have stopped lifting because I would have been like, there's no chance that I'm ever going to be like him unless I take mm. steroids or I may have hopped on steroids. Mm. Well, both, of, was- both of those things are bad. Um, yeah. I think with the whole gym shark thing, like obviously I'm not going to go accusing people of this and that, but I think gym shark, I don't know. Recently they've gone like with that weird, like body, whatever positivity yeah, shit, body. like um, saying that being obese is okay. That's, I could talk about that forever. Like Same. it's, <laughs> i don't even want to start like i'll just go off forever but you know i think they've taken a turn to like body positivity from like only sponsoring roid users to like now they're on the other way where it's like yeah it's okay to be fat and it's like i don't know what the deal is um but i think like the whole thing with david laid like um we're similar age so i would imagine that you got into lifting you're watching david laid i was watching david and dylan and train in jersey and all that shit and yeah. you know back when they were just repping out 500 whatever that i loved it um at the time i did think they were natural uh looking back at you know pretty obvious um you know when when they hopped on but yeah i don't know if i had a known it, it definitely is a deterrent it's like oh that guy's on steroids and like even i can remember thinking 
that's you know david pulled 700 pounds i think before he got injured whatever it's like damn i wish i'd be able to do that naturally naturally but you know maybe i won't because you know he's taken this or that psalms whatever it is um I mean, now, now looking back and now I know it's possible, you know, Aiden's done it. You've done it, every, you know, yeah. at, you know, but, um, back with, you know, when I was go- transitioning from just like you did bodybuilding training as, and I feel like everyone starts as a gym bro, yeah. bodybuilding, whatever, when I was making that transition to, Oh, I want to get stronger. Um, because you're not really in the niche of powerlifting. You, so you come across people like David and Dylan and the Gymshark dudes and the Vanquish guys and whatever. Um, because they strength train as well, because that's part of the aesthetic, whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, so this is what strength training is. But, th- you know, that guy has got 40 inch quads and they're veiny. And it's like, but yeah. I don't I don't look like that. So how am I going to, you know, and then you finally, if you make it, if you make it past that stage and you stick with it, then you're like, oh, okay, now I'm in powerlifting. And you, and you like break open the wall and there's like, kids it's you know 66 kilos pulling 600 pounds and then you go oh so there is all this stuff that is achievable naturally and it's yeah. like you just got to make it past that oh i'll never be able to do this and then you go oh actually yeah maybe i will be able to do this yeah i mean i completely agree like a lot of people like obviously like i'd look at larry wheels and stuff like that and mm-hmm. i'm just like you know like he's so strong he's like 300 pounds but he still has a six-pack like it's like I'm never going to be able to do that. And obviously like every kid who's getting into lifting wants to be like, well, maybe not like Larry wheels. Cause he's a weirdo, but you know, he is really as strong weird now. Yeah. <laughs> as, as big and a, as strong as Larry wheels, like every kid wants to get into it and they would like, I want to be like that. You know, then you find out like, okay, he's running this much stuff. And it would just be like, well, you know, mm. maybe I don't want to do this if I'm going to have to take all that. Mm. Uh, it's like, that's why I'm so impressed by, um, and I feel like you have to sort of be a powerlifter to understand. You have to be un, like how impressive it is like Sean Noriega's 500 pound bench. Yeah. You don't really know how impressive that is as a natty until you're like powerlifting until you have a bench press as well. And it's like, because, you know, you see Larry wheels with the ridiculous deadlift, you know, all strapped up deadlift bar bumpers, whatever. And you're like, Oh wow. Like, you know, that's a huge deadlift. Um, and it seems way more impressive. But now that I look back and it's like, even Sean pulling like 700 as a natty, 83, that's to me is more impressive than that shit that Larry does just because he takes it. Yeah. And it's like your whole perception changes when you sort of gain that respect for natural lifters and when you start doing it yourself as well. Yeah. I mean, it's there's something to be said about how like, crazy some of the numbers really are for some of these lighter lifters Mm. because and 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 a lot of them are completely natural too you know never taking a thing in their life and it's just like i think if we were to you know publicize that a lot more and and show people who you know don't power lift who are just getting into it that i think a lot more people would be willing to stick with it because they're like all right well you know i don't have to take steroids and and be a juice head and weigh you know look like ronnie coleman to to bench 500 pounds you know, like, like you look at me walking down the street and you think, you know, maybe he deadlifts 400 or something like that. Like you wouldn't, no one would ever guess that I'm able to deadlift 700 pounds and squat over 500. Mm. You just wouldn't look at, at me and say that. I mean, same thing with my brother. You don't look at him and say, yeah, this kid's going to bench close to 400 soon. Like you, you, you would never think that, but you know, I mean, it, it, that's how it is. Mm. I think that's one of the things that's like, um, so impressive, uh, 
obviously not looking like you can do something. Like you wouldn't assume Sean. I like he's he's you know he's got a he's built, but you would never guess he'd be benching two hundred and twenty kilos. Um, yeah. But then I also think like even as a powerlifter, watching someone like Shane Hunt uh, bench is like just so impressive just because you, you know, and sometimes he does with his shirt off and you can like see his shoulder and his chest working. And it's like, that yeah. shit is impressive to me too. Um, obviously yeah. he's taking stuff as well. Well, not obviously, but you know, uh, he competes untested, but like every now and then that's fun to watch as well. Some big guy who's looks like they can bench 220. You know what I'm saying? Like if you, if you yeah. saw Shane Hunt, you'd be like, yeah, that guy probably benches 200 kilos. And he does, and because he looks that big, I think like, that, that, like that to me is entertaining as well. Yeah, I mean, one hundred percent. Like, like these bigger lifters out there. Like, I mean, obviously Jamal's like my favorite lifter, but um, you know, you look at him and you're like, yeah, like he looks like he'd be strong as hell. Mm. And then, then you look at um, Nabil. Is that how you say his name? Uh, his Instagram's like King or something like that. Oh, it's, I don't it, know. I uh, well, he's a 66 kg. He was at the power building meet and he, uh, he pulled like 650 or something like that. Shit. 66 kg. And it's just like, and, and it's a tested meet. He was drug testing everything like that. And it's just like, holy shit. Like this man, mm. you, you, you look at him and you're like, you wouldn't expect him to be pulled like pull anywhere close to that. Like you'd expect, all right, maybe, you know, he'll get, you know, you'll get three plates out of him, And then all of a sudden he just pulls 650 and it's like, mm. I don't know if you know Josh Sakua. He's a little 74, 83 in Australia. Um, when I first got into powerlifting, just got to like my first powerlifting gym, like literally just after I got to this gym, this little guy, he's like 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, maybe, walks in and he pauses 3'10". And I was like, holy shit. You know, I, I back at the time, I had like a maybe a 200 kilo deadlift. So I was like, this guy is so short and like, you just don't expect it. And then they go and yeah. do something ridiculous like that. Like that's just so, it's such a good part of the sport is like, yeah. um, cause in a lot of sports, it's like size is like rules, everything and that sort of thing. But it's like you in this and you can, you can, you can be small or short or whatever and still put up a massive total. And I, and I really admire that too. Yeah. I mean, I agree. You look at sports like American football and stuff like that, obviously like, you know, the, the guys that are, that are, you know, huge and, and big are going to be the good ones. And then like, you know, you're not going to look at many, I mean, there's a few, but you're not going to look at many like guys who are like five, six, just mm. dominate the sport. It's just the reality of it. But in powerlifting, it's completely different. I, I 100% agree. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, uh, because a lot of lifters, like you said, look up to you and that sort of thing. And you're, you've like just turned 18, like recently, right? Yeah. Uh, I turned 18 on the seventh. Okay. Well, happy birthday. Uh, and uh if you had to it's funny asking you this because you you're literally just turned 18 but like if you could like talk to your 16 year old self what would you because there's definitely kids who are 16 and looking up to you and that sort of thing what would you say what would like in relation to powerlifting or even life in general like what sort of advice would you give yourself um you know you really got to lock in on form um that's that's one of the biggest things i've noticed like that's really had an impact on on all of my lifts is form stretching and and just follow your damn program like before i would just be like all right you know what? i'm gonna go do this i'm gonna do that i don't feel like lifting today so i'm not gonna do it and then like i would just be training for you know like there'd be there'd be weeks where i just wouldn't take a rest day like i would train there was one time i trained 
35 days in a row without a rest day. Now, granted, I had some like days where I did all accessories and just went really light and stuff like that, but I was training every day. And then all of a sudden I, after that, I'm like, I have to take like five days off because it's like, mm. I can barely walk. Everything hurts. And it's just like, well, you know, maybe, you, you know, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't mm. look at what you got to do, get on a program, follow the program and, and you'll progress that way instead of having to train 35 days in a row and then just get injured. So, yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you. I see the same thing. Like I'll come across some account, you know, not some popular lift. And I see like a young guy and, and they're, you know, the, the form is like, oh, it's like somebody tell this kid, you know, somebody who, because young guys, they don't want to listen to anyone. It's like, we need yeah. someone who they look up to, to just give them that advice. Tell them, oh my God, like, you know, fix your form or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, definitely. You know, getting injured will turn off some kid. You know, you, their parents will be like, "Oh, you're not doing that anymore. You got injured, whatever." Yeah, one hundred percent. Your your sumo is looking nicer and nicer, like by the week. What sort of stuff have you been doing for it? Because I know, like, I've seen comments on King of the List. They're like, "Oh, look at his back," and blah blah blah. Um, what are you doing for your sumo? Um, so I I don't actually pull conventional, like like on any of my blocks. Like uh, Rondell has me doing only sumo. And um, I'm doing a lot of paused rep work, which I've noticed paused is the best thing for my form because it requires you to have to obviously hold the bar there, keep it in contact with your shins, and then lock it out. So making the lift harder um, while reinforcing that good form. Um, and what I will say about the the back thing, so you'll notice my upper back and my shoulders are forward on, on just about every deadlift I do. Um, yeah. I actually do that intentionally you'll actually see me reach forward sometimes and pull my shoulder blades kind of apart and then tuck them down into my, my lats. Long um, yeah, I I've noticed it's actually an advantage. It shortens my range of motion. I'll still get a clean lockout. Um, but I'm allowed to have my shoulders down and pulled significantly lower than, than where my, they, they normally rest. Um, shortens range of motion by like three inches. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean that's that's one of the big things, and then like obviously you're gonna get away with a little bit of upper back rounding, um, and, and when you get to heavier weight, like that's just something that's usually gonna happen. Um, mm. But yeah, and then another thing I would say is is hook grip. I'm really trying to reinforce my hook grip, so that's why like some of my sets I'll try and do them all hook grip, but I'm probably not gonna be able to do an AMRAP with it because my thumbs will just get destroyed, and I don't want to switch the mix because it it just causes me some like trap pain and stuff, and and I tend to like move the bar unevenly when i do that so um hook grip yeah, is definitely i would agree thing. with the i would just agree with the trap thing um i pull mixed and every like six months i'll get like for a few days i get this really tight trap and yeah. i would imagine it's from the mix grip because it i can't you know i can't really think of what else it would be from but yeah it does um oh, i saw a post yesterday someone reposted it some coach was saying that if you pull mixed grip, it's like a chance of dying. I don't know who like reposted, like Garrett reposted it or some, some hilarious like coach um, was making these ridiculous allegations about mixed grip. Um, and yeah, like the, the stigma around like backgrounding people, people often don't realize the difference in your spine, cervical, thoracic, lumbar, you know, lumbar, yeah. thoracic, are different parts of your spine. The lumbar doesn't want to round. You don't want to do that. Um, yeah the thoracic spine it can flex it can round um it's not ideal i mean technically you'd want to have a flat back neutral spine in that range of 
neutral. Uh, but it's unavoidable. Like in your upper back, it's almost unavoidable. I would imagine for some degree of flexion, people will just freak out immediately. Um, and even with lumbar spine, like you want to avoid flexing, but there are there are some theory that like if you're starting in a flexed, so if you start with your lumbar slightly flexed and you pull, um, if you hold the same like degree or range of flexion. Yeah. It, you might be okay rather than like when you see a lifter pull the slack and then and then you know like like they roll forward yeah. if you're if you, even if you start so like say you like you have bad mobility or whatever you start flexed you end in the like right at the top you're in that same angle of flexion i'm pretty sure there are some studies or something to say that like it's not that dangerous it's not as dangerous as flexing under the load like when the bar pulls you away you know like pulls you out of position it's they're different things yeah. So I actually start with my, my upper back rounded. Usually mm. like when I pull into the bar, my back stays in pretty much the same spot every once in a while, it'll round a little bit more during the lift. Um, but fatigue. that's, that's, more of, yeah. yeah, that's more of a fatigue thing. It happens a lot on rep work. Um, but usually my singles look, look the same like that. Um, but yeah, like I, I agree. It's, it's not really going to cause injury unless you're super rounding during the lift and, and obviously putting a ton of stress on your lower back, then it's going to cause injury. But I'm almost, I'm pretty, I don't know what I'd like to find the study again, but I'm pretty sure I read something that was like, yeah, it, that when, when you're holding the same, it's like when you pick up a load um, and you can maintain that same range, you're fine. When you pick up a load and it changes the range that your spine is in, and you continue to pick up the load, then I think it's a problem. I don't know. Like yeah. I'm not a, I'm not an expert, but I think I, I read, I think I read something that was suggested that. Yeah. And I've, I've, I'm pretty sure I looked at a, a similar study to that. Um, I know squat university has posted about it before. Um, so that, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. This um, squat university is a funny one because sometimes they post saying it's like a really true, like quote or an ideology. And then they'll go and say like, um, about the hip, you know, you see, do you see the jokes about the hip shift and stuff? No. Um, it's like, oh, your hip shifted like half a degree time to go back to body weight squats for three months. And it's like, oh, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think you, I have you know, yeah. uh, I don't know who it was. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is it his, uh, Jesus or whatever? It's like, his name is Jesus. I don't know how they pronounce it. The big, the huge guy, um, who, who he's going to contest Ray. I feel like I butchered his name. Uh, Julius. Me. No, no, no. His username is like Megatron something. The like. Yeah, I think it's Julius Maddox. No, no, no. I feel like I'm butchering his name heaps. I don't want to stuff it up on the podcast. Um, yeah, Jesus Olivares. Is that his name? It's it's spelled. Oh, oh, yeah. I think I think I know who you're talking about. Um, yeah. I feel like I butchered his name, but he that it was a squat video recently, like where he, he, he squatted like 800 pounds or something. And he had like a tiny bit of hip shift. And like, I immediately thought about squat university. Oh yeah. Let's tell this 800 pound squatter that he has to do body weight squats for the next like three months to fix his hip shift yeah. and shit like that. Cause they post some good stuff, but then they'll go and post something that's like really silly or just not true at all. And, and I don't know. It's yeah. he's, that guy's weird. Yeah. He just like, I'll, I'll take it to like complete extreme sometimes. Like, yeah. I do know what you're talking about because he, he was like talking about um, like you need to perfect the body weight squat before you add any weight to the yeah, bar. Yeah, yeah. And if yeah. you have any issues with like, say you work up to like one one plate, then and and that's not like you, you have hip shift on that, then you have to go back to body weight squat. Like I, I know what you're talking about now. And it's just like, 
Do you really though? Because I'm pretty sure you can fix that without having to stop squatting completely. It's, it's pretty simple. Like for me, I need to wear heels. I can't do a bodyweight squat with flat feet. I don't have the ankle mobility. My knees can't travel that far forward. I'll lose balance yeah. if I don't wear a heel. It's stuff like that. Like if, if, if I was listening to that guy, I wouldn't be squatting. I would still not be squatting at all. Uh, I would <laughs> just be doing bodyweight squats. I don't know. Some yeah. stuff like that. I mean, obviously try to fix your mobility and your form and shit. But like, yeah. I mean, start saying something like the, telling a lifter he can't put a barbell on his back. Just like good, like good luck telling anybody that. Yeah, because nobody's going to listen to you. So. No. <laughs> um, so what about for you this year? Uh, you just you had a meet recently. Was it you or your brother did a meet and just went like RP7? That was my brother. Yeah, he did one in Florida. Okay, so what are your plans? What are your plans for this year? Um, so I'm kind of in, in like a middle ground, I guess you would say, of what I want to do. So um, obviously, I'm going to be going to college next year. Uh, so I'm doing classes in the summer. So I think it starts in June and ends in, uh, the end of July. So I'm not really going to have too much time to compete then. I won't, so that's kind of off the table. And then right when I come back, uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to want to do it then either. So I may honestly push, uh, competing back to like October or September and then see what I can do, see what I can qualify for. And then, you know, obviously we'll see what meets are going on national meets and, uh, I'll qualify for that and then, then probably take that on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're going to, what are you going to uh, study at college? Uh, right now I'm undecided, but, um, I'll be going to Penn state. So should be fun. I'm going to be with, uh, Sean Mills. Um, Alex actually goes to a satellite campus, um, Alex Sidor, a satellite campus of, um, Penn state. So he'll be up there, not this year, but the next year. So it'll be me, Thomas, Sean, and uh, Alex. That'd be sick, man. I want to see some like vlogs and shit from you guys. You know, I'm yeah. thinking, I'm picturing like David and Dylan and his mates. That'd be sick. Um, yeah. Do you have like an idea of what you're going to study or are you just like, I have no idea? Uh, so I'm kind of between, so I originally I wanted to go into medicine. Um, I wanted to be some form of surgeon, maybe orthopedic surgeon, but um, I'm starting to kind of get away from that. And I'm starting to look maybe more into business um the business aspect of it so mm. it should be interesting but i'll definitely decide soon yeah man well good luck with that um Thanks. we'll try wrap up in a sec it's been like a little while but yeah um that's that's just like a good plan like lifters will try to uh compete like in super stressful times of your life and it's like i'm agree with what you just said it's like if you don't have to compete if you don't want if you're not like qualifying for something or yeah. if you're not like about to out age your category or whatever it is like just chill have like an off season let because at the end of the day it's like there's life and then it's powerlifting and it's like you know as much as it might be the most important thing there's always going to be other stuff you just can't avoid like school and that sort of thing um and it's yeah. also i'm also i uh, admire that you're not going to prioritize powerlifting over school because mm -hmm. i feel like that's something that people do yeah like there are some people who make a living out of powerlifting, like, you know, Sean and that's those guys, Joey, whatever, but there's only a few of them really who make yeah. a full, who don't work. I don't know what Joey does, um, but Sean's a full-time coach as far as I yeah. know. Uh, and I think, not, I think Ross, Ross is another one, Ross Wall. Well, but yeah. That's uh, yeah. He owns well, own business he, and everything. Yeah. Well, that's the business side of it. Ross is like that business side. So yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that, that sounds good, man. That sounds like a good plan. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for coming on.
Yep, not a problem. I'll, 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 let, I'll let you go, man. We, I think we had a great episode. Yeah. <laughs> Thank All you right. very much. Cheers, bro. See you, brother.